Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Netflix and Swill podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I'm Caleb. And I'm a guy who doesn't look anything like Caleb, but is a dead ringer for a sound alike. Do we sound a lot alike? No. The, the joke is that they got a guy who moderately looks like George Clooney and sounds a lot like young George Clooney. Okay, yeah. I get it. How are you, friend? I'm okay. I'm. You kind of freaked me out. I didn't think our voices sound very oh, much no. alike, but I was I was worried that like maybe our listeners were confused about which one of us was talking for the last five years. No, 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 no. I would have to do a good amount of practice in order to get you, like, to get your voice down. Because like you don't have like that iconic phrase that like. Because every every time I slip into a voice, I go I always have like a starter phrase, which I can do on that character every time and allows me to like sink into that into that voice. Uh and I don't feel like you have that. Yelza yelza bo bowza. Uh close enough. Uh so what have you been up to? How's your new year? Uh my new year's fine. Uh I'm currently in my new office where I have all my artwork hung up, uh curtains up all over the place. Uh so that way my voice doesn't echo. Uh I don't know how that's going, but we'll, we'll find out in the middle of the edit. But uh I'm at my new place, the internet is worse, so that kind of sucks, but at least I don't have a gun-toting maniac living above me. That's always good. I will never forget the episode where Colby Mack joined us. I can't remember which one it was. It was one of his two episodes from uh, 2020 that he joined us on. And my landlord literally decided he was going to start shooting his gun off in the backyard, maybe five minutes before we started recording. <laughs> and I was like, hey, Colby, I'm sorry, but my landlord's shooting off his gun in the backyard. And he's like, oh, yeah, of course. The one episode the black man's on. Your, your gun-toting landlord shoots off his gun in the backyard. So, uh, no more of that. Thank fucking God. Well, maybe I'll have to come visit and shoot my gun in your backyard, just for old time's sake. We'll just record the podcast while shooting guns. Just, just have like machine gun fire, like straight in the air for about thirty seconds while we're talking on a belt yeah. feeder. I'll do a desk pop. Perfect. I don't know what else is new. Uh, I mean, I've been prepping for the end of 2020 episode I'm doing with Gerald in, what, a week? and A week and a half? Something like that? I think we're recording on the 14th, so yeah, a week and a half. So, uh, I watched eight movies this weekend because I'm a fucking psychopath. I've been watching a lot of stuff, too. That's what I've been kind of doing with most of my free time. I also platinumed The Shadow of Mordor six years after I uh, originally bought it. Good, good. Any good? Uh, I like that one, yeah. Like, um, it introduced the Nemesis system, which is basically like, hey, uh, and, and Uruk-hai killed you, 
so now they get promoted to captain and like you can watch you can technically like watch their career as they go from like captain to like like warlord or war general i forget what it's called but uh and then you you go murder them and that was like the hardest part of the platinum was there's this grindy trophy where basically you have to get a level 25 rune and to get a level 25 rune uh the the urukai you kill has to a be a war chief that's what it is war chief uh b uh be level 20 c have killed you before uh d uh you've taken advantage of their fear or strength and then c and then e which would become before d which is that you know their fear or strength so uh that didn't take me six years it was just like i fell off that game after a certain point and then came back to it because i was like oh i want to get the platinum on this i'm like five trophies away this is this is relatively easy so uh eventually once i figured out the grindy trophy and how to get it done uh it was all smooth sailing from there i'm happy for you thanks friend that puts me at 38 platinum trophies i have life i promise i don't know i was thinking i should take a a couple days off of work here sometime and just dedicate myself to playing video games because i don't know i i tend to like buy game systems and then use them as uh expensive fancy netflix machines yes so like i'll buy games that i'm excited about and then not play through them the the steam problem well not even that because like i'll fucking pay full price for a game that's new and then just sit on it for forever. Hmm. I don't know. I don't I don't really go for the Steam sales. But like I was thinking about it the other day and like I'd really like to finish The Last of Us. I oh. mean the first one because right. I haven't. You should. And I still haven't finished Zero Dawn. Uh I think those are like my top 2. I I've platinumed one of those games. I'm currently well I shouldn't say I'm currently going through the New Game Plus, but I, I, I have an active New Game Plus save file on Horizon Zero Dawn, and that is the last trophy I have to get before I hit 100% of trophies on that game, despite its two DLC packs. I don't know. I've I've given up platinuming Monster Hunter World. <laughs> cause That's fair. I really thought that I would do that someday, but it's a huge time sink, and that game isn't fun. And yet, they gave it to us for free through the PlayStation Collection. The PlayStation Ooh, Plus Collection. Hooray. So, hooray. They only did that to try to sell you the Iceborne DLC. I guess. I don't know. It comes... It, it's it's like a collection of like 20 games that you get for free with your... Well, quote-unquote free with your PlayStation Plus subscription. It's like, it's like God of War, The Last of Us, Rising Zero Dawn. Actually, I don't know about that third one. And a bunch of other games. And it's like, hey, if you didn't buy these before, it's a great value. And it's like, hey, I bought, like, most of those, but, like, I got, like, four or five, like, new free games. So it's still a pretty good value. Actually, one thing that I should pick up would be the the Moon Crash DLC for Prey. Because I've heard that it's very good. I don't know if you played Prey, but it's it's a game that begins very strongly. And then, like... Uh the whole way through the game you're waiting for it to reach like the amazing highs of like the first hour of the game and it just never really does i played the first hour of the game because that's what what came in the demo for it and i was like oh this is cool and then you got to the actual gameplay of the game it was like oh this is 
average. Yeah, like this is a a worse version of System Shock. But yeah, it's whatever. I don't know. It's uh, games aren't that good anyway. Like the more the more new games and stuff come out, the less interested I am generally in gaming as a hobby. Hmm. My big thing is games as a service right now because the the problem with that is like it feels like a full-time job keeping up with those and then that basically leaves you no time to experiment with other single-player games if you are compelled to continue to play that game. Yes. Uh, why don't we do a segment? Okay. It's called Dan was on two peas on a podcast again this week. Go listen to it. Link is in the show notes. What was the topic? Uh, I originally pitched it as top five movies set in our home city, or our hometown. Uh, Gerald could not complete that task, so we uh, expanded a bit to home state. But I still flexed on Gerald by putting my top five movies set in my home, my hometown. So, it, be prepared to hear my top five movies set in Pittsburgh. One of which is a, Cla- a John Claude Van Damme vehicle. <laughs> Is one of them a Tom Cruise vehicle? It is not Jack Reacher, no. I don't, I've never even seen Jack Reacher. I mean, you didn't miss a ton. It's alright. That's what I figured. Uh, but you want to get into an actual segment, so let's talk about what's your swill. Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans! Stay away from the cans! I don't have any swill right now. I'm drinking water, but I did have some Lagavulin scotch earlier, so that was nice. Cool. It's a nice little treat for myself. I just finished my second glass uh, of uh, some generic brand Sauvignon Blanc, and it was fine. Uh, But what made it all the sweeter is that I'm drinking it out of my Ada and Nick wedding glass. Yikes. It's the only wine glass I own, uh, and it will be the only wine glass I'll ever own. Because the laws are too strong. I wonder what she's doing with her life. Just kidding, I don't give a fuck. Who gives a fuck? Uh, And speaking of events happening in people's lives, that'll bring us right over to news. Oh, shit, it's mail time. Uh, So, apparently, the Amazon Prime series Vikings which is uh, very popular. I guess while they were filming that, like, they also secretly produced, uh, like, a sequel series called Vikings Valhalla, which is going to release on Netflix sometime this year. It's so weird. Do you have any thoughts? Have you seen Vikings? No, but it's just weird that it's moving from Amazon to Netflix. Like... You figure, like, I mean, Game of Thrones, for instance, Game of Thrones, all of its series, like, all of its sequel series were at least piloted by HBO, and some of them were picked up. This, it's like, hey, we're just doing Netflix. Like, we're not even going to give it a chance. We're not getting getting a prime a chance. It's just immediately Netflix. Yeah, I don't know, uh, I don't know why, but it's a thing that's happening, so. I mean, they said in that article you linked that you can watch the Viking sequel series without ever having seen the first one, which I guess is good considering the fact that like if you're Netflix, that they're on different platforms. Yeah. You don't want people going to different platforms, AKA what happened with Disney plus and Marvel and all that kind of stuff. So 
It's weird. Uh, will I check it out? Probably. Nah, why not? Uh, and that brings us to Downstream, where we talk about the trailers. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! The first trailer is for Martin Scorsese Presents Pretends It's a City. Uh, directed by Academy Award winner Martin Scorsese, Fran Lebowitz has opinions on everything. Apologies for no one. Watch Pretend It's a City only on Netflix January 8th. Uh, it's about Fran Lebowitz uh, complaining about New York. You shut the fuck up. Fran Lebowitz is my spirit animal because I also complain about everything. Yeah, um, I'm calling this a docu-comedy, I guess. I don't know, I don't know what know the fuck to thing. call it. It's like, it's a weird, it's just a weird thing that exists. And Netflix is just like, Martin Scorsese, sure, here's $100 million to do whatever you want. Except for Flowers of the Midnight Moon. What is that movie that cost $200 million to make? And is going to Apple Plus, I believe? I have no fucking idea. Flowers of the Paper Moon? Something like that. Something stupid, and it costs $200 million, and it's like, no one wants that. Uh, I will never watch this. I'm, I'm, like, Ashley won't have it on. I won't feel compelled to put it on when I'm feeling like watching garbage television. Because uh, this is probably higher art than garbage television, but it also fills that niche where I just don't want to even give it a chance. So, uh, no. Alright, uh, next trailer is for Blown Away, a reality television show about glass blowing. The hot shop is open. A brand new batch of glass blowing artists from around the world battle the heat, the clock, and each other in ten dynamic challenges. Uh, does anyone care? I'm sure... A lot of people will watch this, but I won't. It's a garbage reality competition show that people seem to love, shot in that exact same way. And it's about glass blowing, which, like, I've only seen. I, I forget where I went, but I, I went to a glass blowing shop where two guys were glass blowing in the middle of the shop. And I went, that's interesting and really dangerous, and then immediately left the shop. <laughs> If only they could create some sort of machine that could create glass objects uh, more precisely and with uh, a lower, like a tighter margin of error. Nah, can't be done. Gotta have the human touch for no reason. Alright, next trailer we'll talk about is for Sanpa, Sins of the Savior. Uh, This is an Italian docuseries. It's the first Italian docu-series, Caleb. Yeah. Well, it says it's the first Italian, Netflix Italian original docu-series, uh, and will premiere globally on December 30th. Sanpa, Sins of the Savior, uh, through contributors' interviews and archive images, tells the controversial story of the rehab community of San Patrignano. Uh, I'm assuming I nailed that produ- uh, pronunciation. Uh, sure. Founded by Vincenzo Muccioli in 1978 in Coriano in the province of Rimini. So that's uh, a bunch of nouns that I just said with my mouth. Hey, you speak at a good Ita- Italian. Oh, I wasn't pinching my fingers together, so I I wasn't pronouncing it right. I When I did that impression, I 
like absentmindedly pinched my fingers together. I didn't even think about it. <laughs> Fettuccine, a book of the Bebo. The Olive Garden. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is uh, about a drug rehab where I guess they chained people to beds and shit, but they had a high success rate. So it's controversial, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like what drug rehab clinics wish they could do, which is like, hey, we want to help you. You paid for 30 days. We want to help you detox and rehab within 30 days. So let's just chain you to mm-hmm. a fucking bed. Uh, and, and in 1978 to 1995, you could do whatever the fuck you wanted. It was a, it was the wild, <laughs> wild west. <laughs> if it's stupid and it works, it's not stupid. Nailed it. All right. And... The uh, last trailer is for the Netflix After Party, which is a sad attempt to rip off our show. Join the biggest stars on Netflix at the Netflix After Party, a weekly comedy show that dives deeper into your favorite shows with hosts David Spade, Fortune Feimster, and London Hughes. Series premiere features comedian Bill Burr and the cast of Cobra Kai, including Ralph Macchio, William Zabka, Mary Mauser. Uh, Sholo Maraduena, uh, Tanner Buchanan. Uh, each week will feature different comedians, casts, and creators talking about the buzziest shows and films on Netflix with our hosts. And that brings us right into quick hits because I couldn't wait and already watched season three of Cobra Kai, and uh, the Netflix after party auto played after it. <laughs> And it's not good. Um, David Spade, you can tell he's really trying to be funny, but he is not and hasn't been for quite a while. That sounds like David Spade, all right. (laughs) It's just kind of sad. Like, it's the whole thing is just like super try hard. But like, uh, do you remember like. They tried to do like a talking. They tried to do a Talking Dead show after um, Stranger Things. Remember after shows on AMC? Yeah, well, like, they tried to do that with Stranger Things, and it wasn't good with that. And this is, like, an even more, like, low-effort version of it, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I I like the cast of cobra kai just fine but like mm-hmm. when the kids aren't in character and it's i don't know like i just kind of was annoyed listening to them talk and wish that they would ask william zabka more stuff and then like halfway through the episode they switch gears and have bill burr talking about uh his new comedy special and f is for family so i turned it off that is the correct approach to that because like i i i get people like bill burr i i can't stand bill burr at all yeah i um i didn't like any part of it but like i didn't feel like getting up and getting the controller and turning it off until they were like and here's bill burr and then he yelled at you for five minutes straight because he only speaks in an effervescent yell Mm mm-hmm uh, so that's what I did with my life. What did you watch? Watched quite a bit. 
actually, uh, surprisingly. So I'll start with the, the two series I watched. I watched only a few episodes of each. I watched Hilda, based off of your recommendation for last week, and not my speech. Nice. I gave it three episodes. Not not my thing. That's fine. I'm still, uh, I just watched the fourth episode today, so I, I'm not, like, really a whole lot farther than you, but. You're, you're not wrong in calling it, like, Adventure Time-like, but it, it's, like you said, it plays entirely straight, and I think that's its problem for me, is that, like, it's not goofy enough, because, like, she has a whole miniature town of elves living outside of her fucking house, and, like, in reality, that should be funny, but it's like, oh, no, we got, we have this super serious problem we have to deal with, and we're gonna take it super seriously. That's the strangest thing about this show to me, is that, like, it's zany without being comedic. Right. And, and, like, that throws me off so much. So I just went, I just kind of threw my hands up in the air after three episodes. So I feel like you give this, I feel like you give most things either three episodes or uh, 90 minutes. Uh, and I went three episodes on this. I, I will talk about the, the next show that I gave 90 minutes to. But I just, I guess I just wish it was funny. Like, it, it tried to actually be funny and be like, hey, these ridiculous situations we find ourselves in, like, a fucking raven having no memory is interesting and potentially funny. Let's play off that. And it's like, nope, gotta help this raven find its memory, and we're telling no jokes the entire time. I just realized that, uh, like, the little elf that decides to go with her when they when their house is destroyed and they move to the city, um... Like, he was not in the fourth episode at all. So I hope they didn't just, like, excise that character from the show for no reason. No, you'll be able to tell me. But, yeah, uh, Hilda, like, I'm sure, like, this is obviously people's speed, but this is not mine. I'm not gonna call it a bad show, it's, like, I really like the animation style. It's, it's a fine show, it's, you know, just a... A nice casual watch. Yeah. Uh, and then I watched the 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 show that Netflix wants uh, to be the next Dark, uh, Equinox. I gave it two episodes. And uh, this show kind of falls into the same pratfalls as, like, bad streaming content. Where it's like, alright, we have interesting stuff to say at the beginning. We have nothing to say in the middle. And then we have a hook for the final episode. And hmm. I fucking hate that. Like, I think that's really lazy content, you know, like in terms of like how you do streaming shows, like, Hey, we're going to keep hooking you every time in order to come back. Even though like what you watched was entirely mediocre. For instance, with dark, it spreads out. It's kind of crazy reveals throughout the episode. And it leaves you with, Oh, but one more thing. Like, kind of like, hey, in case you need a reminding how, like, how good the show is, here's the, the, this next thing that leads into the next episode. And, but, like, there was still quality throughout. With Equinox, I just feel like there's nothing happening for, like, about 30 minutes. And then the first seven and last seven minutes actually do something. And it's like, well, this could just be a 14-minute episode or, like, a 20-minute episode where you actually have, like, the nothing condensed down to, into something. And it'd be interesting, but instead, 
Uh, they go for 45 minutes, and, and I'm very uninterested in that show. So uh, that show is done. Okay. Uh, and then I will talk about uh, the documentary Dick Johnson is Dead. Now, I don't, I believe you watched this if I'm remembering correctly. I don't know. What is it? Kirsten Johnson's dad is like 83 when she starts filming this, and she's like, well. Oh, that thing. Yeah. Uh, she's like, well, my dad's going to die, and I really need help coming to terms with that because when my mom died, I had a really tough time, and he had a really tough time. So I'm going to kill him in like kind of zany ways that kind of takes the edge off. But uh, there's more to it than that. Like it, it, it kind of talks about like how people. Uh, like when people, when some people die, like they die before, like, uh, for instance, her mom had Alzheimer's. So she died like five, 10 years before she actually like truly passed away because like her memory was gone. Like she couldn't remember who, who she was outside of like brief moments of lucidity. And it kind of talks about mm -hmm. like mortality in that kind of way. So from that aspect, kind of liked it. Like, yeah, it helps you confront things. Like at this point, my dad is what? 60, 60, maybe 61. I can't remember. No. How the fuck old is my dad? Jesus, is Jerry 50? No, he's, he's in a, he, I think he's, fuck, 1961. Okay, he will be 60. Okay, that's what it is. He will be 60. Uh, I promise I am a good son, and I remember things, uh, but like, my parents are relatively young. For, for like, my age. Like, I, I'm 31. My parents haven't even hit 60 yet. So, like, I don't have to come to terms with my parents being, like, uh, approaching death yet. So, like, it's an interesting conversation from that aspect. Uh, however, I have to knock off points for the very end of the movie. So, at the very end of the movie, they do this, like, faux funeral ceremony for this guy who's still alive. Like he's about to leave Seattle because like he's old. He's been living in Seattle for years by himself. And now he's moving to New York with his daughter. And so like they do this, this funeral ceremony for him. And like his one friend is up there and basically is treating it like it's real. And that his friend has really died. And like, he fucking breaks down and like, he's fucking losing it up there. And then like they have Dick Johnson come out and like, Hey, I'm alive, like, thank you for all your kind words. And this guy's just behind a fucking, like, poster of Dick as, like, a 20-year-old guy uh, bawling his eyes out. And I'm like, uh, is anybody going to go check on old man sobbing uncontrollably? No? Okay, we're going to show a shot of him and no one's going to help him? Got it. Thanks, everybody. You have zero empathy and I fucking hate you. Uh, so this this became an it's fine from uh, a good, just for that. Because I, I was very upset with how they handled old man crying in corner. Like, he poured his heart out. And no one goes over there to console him at all. Like, that's that to me was like some shitty fucking behavior. Like, you emotionally manipulated him into this spot. Fix it. Huh. But otherwise, like, Dick Johnson's a nice guy. Like, I, I'd love to know J Dick Johnson. Well, you can't anymore because he's dead. Actually, he's still alive. As of the ending of the documentary, they, they left, like, because they put, like, a thing, it was, like, um, 2019, I think it was, like, June 2019, like, he had a heart attack or something, but at the end of the movie, he was still alive, so 
like they like they had like his name and then like his birth year and then like the dash and then there was nothing. So it's like he's still alive. I don't know if he's actually dead, but uh, as far as I remember, when the documentary originally hit Netflix, he was still alive. So for all I know, he's alive. All right. Uh, and then the final thing I watched, which is probably the best fucking thing I watched this week, uh, overall, is Death of 2020. Now, last week we said this would not be funny and we would probably hate this, but I, I watched it anyway because it's 70 minutes. And for those of you who are unaware, this is the Charlie Brooker thing that is taking over for Black Mirror because, for those of you who are unaware, uh, Black Mirror is owned by, the, the production rights are owned by Charlie Brooker's previous production company. Uh, and when he left earlier this year, he couldn't get the rights to do Black Mirror anymore. So instead, he did this. So despite the fact that him saying, oh, no, it's not that I don't want to do Black Mirror. It's that I wanted to do this instead. Uh, it's that he probably couldn't do Black Mirror and then did this instead. Uh, so we got a fucking cavalcade of people in this movie. We have Sam Jackson, Hugh Grant, Kumail Nanjiani, Leslie Jones, Kristen Milioti, a.k.a. Uh, the Mother. With the yellow umbrella, Tracy Ullman, Diane Morgan, just a, a a total crazy cast of people. Joe Keery, uh, Steve from Stranger Things, is in this, uh, and basically it's like a mockumentary style recap of 2020 with a very dark comedy kind of sense to it, uh, and that's kind of what made me so happy about it. Was that like it's cynical, it's dark. I mean. That's our show. We're cynical. We have dark comedy. But I I appreciated like 2020 being recapped in that kind of a light. Now, it's currently sitting on like it's like a 2.8 out of out of 5 on Letterboxd and I'm just like I mean, I guess uh, maybe because it's like 2020's too fresh or something, but I don't know. I enjoyed myself. I, I loved all the little nicknames they gave to people. Like the like uh, Tracy Ullman was taught, uh, is, played Queen Elizabeth, and she was like, I remember Joe Biden at my coronation in 1953 when he was still 200 years old. And they're just <laughs> making like stu- stupid fucking jokes like that about like Biden and Trump and Giuliani. Uh, I don't know, man. I really enjoyed it. I, I was surprised I enjoyed it so much, but... Uh, it was kind of like the perfect 2020 recap that uh, I never knew I wanted. So I actually give that one a four. Like, fuck, it was a good time. All right. Uh, that's it. That's all I watched this week. All right. Well, uh, in that case, why don't we hop into a quick break? And when we come back, we'll talk about our main review topic, The Midnight Sky. The Netflix and Swole podcast is brought to you by our patrons. Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton, Nick Haskins, Ashley the Bubby Gorski, Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, Jimmy Delarosa, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, Nate Wade, Alan Gallarisi, Duty Dutram, Casey Moore, and Dan's mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at netflixandswill.com slash Patreon. Buy some shit. Visit netflixandswill.com slash merch. Leave a review and tell me how good I'm getting at public speaking. Visit netflixandswill.com slash apple podcasts. Thanks for letting us live our dreams of being professional idiots. We now return you to your regularly scheduled banter. 
Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to get into our main review topic for the week, The Midnight Sky. The Midnight Sky is a drama fantasy sci-fi film, uh, which debuted on the 23rd of December. It is PG-13, it is an hour and 58 minutes, and it is a 5.6 out of 10 on IMDb. The post-apocalyptic tale follows Augustine, a lonely silent scientist in the Arctic, as he races to stop Sully and her fellow astronauts from returning home to a mysterious global catastrophe. As is directed by and starring George Clooney, and based on the book Good Morning Midnight by Mark L. Smith. Or no, Mark L. Smith wrote the screenplay. Lily Brooks Dalton wrote the book. The uh, IMDb writing credit is very confusing for this one. Uh, what did you think of The Midnight Sky, Dan? Everybody, say it with me. It's fine. Ultimately, it's probably the thing that I will say the most in our review discussion, is that, for the most part, this movie feels like it's two different movies stitched together. Yes, and we will get into that. Yeah. <laughs> One of them is about a, a scientist who has to warn a bunch of astronauts to not come back to Earth due to a post-apocalyptic event. And the other is about a bunch of astronauts trying to return f to Earth, but run into troubles along the way. And so through that, it's like they were like, okay, we got some good parts to either. Let's shove like parts in where it's like we can make this into two feature length in instead of like two short movies into one feature length movie. And I don't think it works all the time, but there are some moments where it truly does work. Yeah. Um. I, I like this a decent bit. Um, I I will freely admit that I have a soft spot for movies about space travel. I think mm -hmm. that that's uh, just inspiring and shows us, you know, what we can achieve and what we can become if we uh, don't blow ourselves up in the meantime. So I liked all that stuff, but ultimately my biggest complaint with the movie is that they they kind of reach a point where he's able to get his message out uh and then it's like they they ran out of stuff for George Clooney's character to do and the narrative wholly shifts to what's happening on the spaceship mm -hmm. uh and they really don't come back around to Clooney's character until you know much later on and uh yeah, I don't know. I th I feel like um I don't know how they could have woven the narratives together more fully, but I don't know. It just it it was really unfortunate and really jarring because like this had potential to be more than it ultimately was because of that. Yeah, like because we we're following George Clooney for the better part of the first hour, and then all of a sudden we get like a 20 minute uninterrupted sequence where we're just on the people in space. And it's like, okay, this is fine. Like yeah. I don't, I don't hate either part. I actually really like both parts, but it's just how like they couldn't figure out a way to stitch them together in a way that made it more cohesive and not as jarring when we switch back to the other perspective that uh, I ultimately faulted for. Yeah. I, I did like both parts quite a bit. Um but yeah, they just they they needed to 
I guess, kind of chop and screw it differently. Like, I don't know. It just, it it feels like they just kind of fucked up in the editing room. Yeah. It's just like, let's tell everything, like, purely chronologically and not interweave the narratives, uh, which I think is ultimately to the movie's detriment. There's one other big thing that I kind of dislike but it's uh it's a spoiler okay. so i'm not going to talk about it till later yeah that's so. fair so and i don't think this is a spoiler to say so but ultimately in the movie they never really say what happened on earth all we know is that like there's an excess of radiations basically made the surface of earth is uninhabitable uh did you care that they didn't reveal what it was i i'm i actually prefer that they didn't like I thought I thought this was the way to handle it. Like it just kind of drops you into the world. It doesn't have to explain itself. You know, it just kind of will stand or fall on its own, which I'm glad that they had enough faith in their movie to do that for better or worse. Yeah. And not, you know, further padded out for 20 minutes saying like, "Oh, we 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 did an M Night Shyamalan. We made the trees mad, and they released all the spores, and it made everybody go crazy and kill themselves. Spoilers! Not spoiler for the happening. For the happening. <laughs> a movie I've never seen, but I knew exactly what you were talking about. Yeah, a movie that I've never seen and will never see. Shyamalan, you fucking hack fraud! <laughs> no, that's only reserved for Adam Sandler and uh, Mike and Jay. Uh, but ultimately, I like I like Clooney. I don't, I don't feel like they give him enough to do until like the very end, where like it kind of shifts everything and puts into perspective everything he's done up up until now, which I don't want to get into because it is a spoiler. But like, I don't feel like he was used well enough in the movie and really gave him enough motivation in the movie. Up until the end. Like, I feel like through the narrative, when you're watching him do stuff, it's like, okay. Like, yeah, he's trying to save these astronauts, but, like, otherwise, it's like, what the fuck is he doing here? Yeah. Also, good for Felicity Jones. She got out from underneath the the scourge of Rogue One and uh, moved on to uh, do other things. Yeah, right? Haven't seen her in a while. Uh, She was in that RBG movie, uh, On the Basis of Sex which I think came out last year. But other than that, like, I haven't heard from her in quite a while. Okay. Did not see that movie. I didn't either. I just know about it because I listen to a lot of movie podcasts. Uh, also, Kyle, I want to point out real quick, because uh, I gave this guy shit in, for his his particular performance in uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters, where nobody was good, but he was especially terrible. Kyle Chandler in this movie not bad. Yeah, I um I liked his character. Yeah, I don't know. He he brought a sort of like brooding intensity to it that I I thought was pretty good. Yeah. Also, uh who was um was, it, was his name Sanchez? I don't know who that guy was, but I also like I liked him. Like I didn't really have any reason to really like him, but he had like that kind of natural charisma to himself that I I enjoyed. Yeah, I feel like uh, he was the least developed, unfortunately. Like, they just kind of had him there in some scenes. 
and didn't really dig a whole lot into his character unless I missed it and wasn't paying attention. They gave him like a monologue towards the end of the movie that kind of explained like what his life was about, like why he did what, why he was doing what he was doing. But ultimately it was like, what? Like by that, by that point, it pretty much felt like an afterthought. Right. Uh, He was Bob in uh, the hateful eight. Oh yeah, he was. I don't know. He he was he had a beard and was covered in shit the entire time. So I, I there was no way I was going to be, ever be able to recognize him. Uh, what did you think of Clooney? Uh, like I said, I liked him. I just don't I, like. I feel like there there are portions where it's like we don't know what to do with Clooney up until the very end of the movie, where we finally reveal like what he's like, like what's been going on with him this whole time. Because, like, ultimately, like, his character is, I believe, a cancer patient, but it looks like he's been on, like, dialysis, so it might be, like, kidney failure, pancreatic he's cancer. He's terminal. Like, whatever he has, right. he's about to die from it. So. so, like, that I understand. Like, he feels, like, this sense of obligation that he has to save as many people as he can. Like, you see him seeing off all the other people. And he wants to make sure when this su- the shuttle gets into range that they're able to, you know, turn the fuck back around and never return to Earth because they something happened to where Earth has been destroyed. So, like, you you feel that sense of duty from him. But, like, when he finally runs into that girl, I don't know, maybe it's me, but I, I, I'm almost tired of, like, old man teams up with girl kind of media like because we've seen that with the last of us we saw that with logan now this like yeah i feel like those all did it better than this movie did and there's a reason for that i mean he he tried not to team up with the little girl did everything in his power to drive her away but that's what i mean it's like that's always the beginning of those like movies. kids yeah is like right. the old man tries to drive them away as much as he can but it never works and eventually they like have a friendship or like a father-daughter relationship of some kind it's true well is there anything else you want to say about the midnight sky before we uh jump into spoilers i did think that it was like visually stunning for a netflix movie Mm -hmm. like most of the space special effects are pretty good i agree uh so not to sound like Paul, this will be the only time I mention this on this podcast, everybody, so bear with me. Uh, I got a brand new 4K television. Uh, it's like a six, I got like a $1,600 television from Samsung. Uh, 4K Dolby Atmos. It doesn't uh, have Dolby Atmos. Sur- surround sound, laser projected IMAX. I, I don't have any of that other stuff. It's a 4K QLED Samsung television. Uh, I don't know what QLED means. I guess it just means it's expensive, but... Uh, I watched that movie on it, and I just went, holy fuck, this is gorgeous. This is such a gorgeous movie. And not even that, like, the production design of, like, the actual practical sets, like, especially on the space station, like, watching the... There's that whole montage of uh, Felicity Jones going throughout the space station, and it's this massive fucking thing. And it's, like, everything's well-realized. They actually really... Like, put a lot of consideration into the design of the ship because it matches up pretty pretty closely to, like, uh, 
theoretical designs for like deep space craft like based on you know like scientific theory and speculation and right science fiction stuff like the the rotating arm that goes around so they can simulate gravity so that your bones and muscles don't completely atrophy while you're uh traveling in deep space like that was all very cool it's like the solar collectors and all that kind of shit yeah I I love looking at that spaceship, especially when they're doing that spacewalk stuff. Like, even that looked great. Like, this is one of those few movies where, like, if it was on the big screen on for from ne- from a Netflix original, if it was on the big screen, I I might have wanted to go see because it feels like it really could have went to that. Yeah. Well, with that, we're going to jump into spoilers. So, if you don't want to spoil by the Midnight Sky any more than Caleb has already spoiled you. Leave now, or forever hold your peace. Thank Let me you. just play the ending for you. No, no, I don't want to see how it ends. Okay, I could describe it. Um, imagine you're in a room. No, no, like... no, 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 I don't want to know how it ends. I haven't seen the beginning uh, yeah, yet. Yeah, but the ending is awesome. So if I could just Son play the... Son this is what you always do. You always spoil stuff uh, for me. No, I don't. And if I could just play the ending for you real quick, then we'll discuss that. Motherfucker, you always spoil everything before I get a chance okay, to see Okay, you it. sound like a crazy person right now. Uh, so in an I am so smart uh, kind of thing, uh, I knew Felicity Jones would be his daughter the whole time. I didn't until, like, the first, like, vaguest hint that he had been following her career or whatever. I was like, oh, it's this is the, the daughter that he spurned and never met or whatever. Right. But, like, I, did, I didn't put it that together super early, but, like... uh. That leads me to uh, the thing that really bothered me, okay. though, is that, like, so we find out that the girl that has been tagging around with Clooney is, like, I guess his, like, delirious, sick mind creating her, and, like, it's uh, it's Sully as a child mm-hmm. who, like, she's now on the ship, and, like, it shows the two of them like Clooney and the young girl standing together and then it like cuts away to what's going on on the ship and then it cuts back to Clooney and he's standing there alone mm-hmm. and it's like oh she's she hasn't really been there the whole time I kind of hate that okay that's interesting like I don't know I don't know what the alternative is to that cuz like otherwise you either just have no one for Clooney to interact with in the movie mm-hmm. or like it turns out that the girl really is real and then you just have like a girl stranded on earth who's about to die which is also a bummer for the end but yeah that's like kind of like the Mads Mikkelsen movie Arctic where like he's I I don't know exactly what happens they never really go into it basically they basically drop you into this world but he uh he's stranded off in the arctic and, like, a, a a plane or helicopter crashes nearby, and he has to, like, basically take the one survivor out and get her rescued. That's kind of what this was, but, like, in a more figurative sense. Like, he had this sense of duty yeah. to his daughter that he never really met to save her life. So that kind of lends credence into what he's doing, because, like... Like, before, you think he's just, like, has his sense of duty before he dies, but then ultimately you realize it's about, like, his love for his daughter he never met. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I feel like there's been exactly one time in a movie where uh, they revealed, like, oh, the like the one character hasn't actually been here the whole time and that it actually added something to the movie. So, so fight. And that was in, well, well, yeah, I guess so. But I was going to say in Joker, but I don't even really like that movie that much anyway. Oh no, dude, that I'll never forget that moment in the theater. Cause I watched it in the theater. And then that moment, like, she's like, who are you? Well, the problem, the problem with that moment is that they over explained it. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, why did why did you do that? You like do you think we're stupid? And it's like, well It's like, yeah, we have to go back and show you all the times. And I'm like, well that- looking back on it now, I'm like, well, I mean, we are that stupid. We have people who don't wear masks when they, you know, go into public spaces. So uh, I guess that makes perfect sense as to why you had to explain it. Yeah, it's true. That that that's fair. Uh, like I didn't I didn't hate it. Because, like I said, he never got to spend time with that daughter. And, he, like, she never speaks outside of a dream. So, and, and for me, that made perfect sense because, like, he never heard her speak before. So he had no idea what she sounded like. So when he's basically, I guess, hallucinating this girl, you, you know, his daughter, that's why she never speaks. is Because, like, he he's never heard her speak and, you know, he just wants to spend some time with her. Uh, in like his subconscious. So I thought that was like kind of beautiful. Yeah. I don't know why exactly it bothered me. I just I just know that it did. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how or if they could have done it any better, but I don't know. I just don't really care for that like that twist whenever it's used in the movie. That's fair. Anything else? Okay, I I have two things. So, I I, I really like the ending. The ending shot where, like, it basically is uh, Felicity Jones and David Aiello, or I don't know how you say his name. Uh, I apologize. Uh, He's uh, not, you know, Matt Smith, where I feel confident in saying his name. But, like, the ending of the movie is basically them just doing stuff as the credits roll. And, like, it's very rare that you see like a graduate style ending where it's just like, Hey, mm-hmm. this thing happened. Now we're going to treat it as a matter of fact and move on. And I, I kind of like the very end for that because like I said, it's very yeah. rare that happens. I, uh, I actually very much liked that ending shot. And then, um, cause that also reminded me of like private life. Like, Private Life feature, like, the end of Private Life is basically Paul Giamatti and Catherine Hahn sitting in a booth in a restaurant waiting for uh, a potential surrogate to, to show up. And we don't know if they ever do. And that's kind of, that's kind of awesome. Like, it's kind of, mm-hmm. it's like that in a way because, like, we don't know if they ever made it back to K23. Well, that's not, you know, what the movie's about. So. Right. And the other thing I want to point out was uh, the score which I felt was either terrible or great depending on what was playing. Like it was really weird. Like it's a, it's ultimately like the undercurrent for how I feel about the movie because like it's either great or terrible at any time. And it's all up to how you feel about it. Cause like, 
it, it's Alexander Desplat doing it. And I'm sure I'm butchering that because it's probably Alexander Desplat. I, I, I'm assuming he's French. But, like, there's times where it's overbearing and really weird and stupid. And other times where it, like, really fits with what's going on. Yeah. I don't know. We seem to be pretty much in agreement. All the time. Uh, so we'll see how... Yeah, we'll see how wildly different our actual ratings are, I guess. But uh, so what what would you rate this? Three. Yeah, I'm going to go three and a half. That's, uh, see, when you said you liked it a bit, I went, oh, three and a half. OK. Yeah. Do you think that he's aware as he's going through the events in the movie that like she's not really there? I feel like he's going to be less aware. Because, like, he, he lost his dialysis machine in the middle of well, that lake. So I feel like he's going to get worse. I don't know if he's supposed to literally believe that there's another person physically with him. Or if she's, like, a manifestation of his guilt over not being uh, involved in her life. Hmm. Or, you know, the, like, the movie doesn't really tell us this. Like, we're we're meant to infer, I guess. But... Right. I don't know. I just wanted to get your read of it, I guess. I I took it as that he had this loved one that he never really got to experience any part of his life with and therefore wanted to do something, even though it was a very dark, dour time. Uh, and, you know, he was probably going to die as soon as he finished that journey. But he he just wanted to have that one bastion of hope that, like, he did something good with his life. Uh, that benefited people outside of science. Okay. So, last week on the show, you said we weren't going to have a third segment, but apparently we have a third segment now, so when we come back from a a break... I said we weren't going to do, like, a thing. I have... I don't know. I just figured we'd... Okay. We'd wrap up the show and talk about some shit. Okay. See where it takes us, you know? So, Caleb, tell me about some returning segments of of your creation. Well, uh, I will, after this break. Let's see, Alex. Uh, what do you think of Jaws, which is at 97% Rotten Tomatoes? I find it to be anti-shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%. Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, how about Bewitched at 25%? Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle at a towering 93%? Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Dan, it's about time to wrap up the show, but before we do, I wanted to bring back uh, a segment that I've been asked about a few times by one of our listeners. Uh, That's right. It is time for Caleb Watches Star Trek. Space, the final frontier. 
These are the voyages of the starship Caleb, his seven-season mission to explore a strange new fandom, to give up his social life and all his friends, to boldly go where millions of sweaty nerds have gone before. Listener is uh, their name rhymes with uh, Bliss Baney. I'll never tell. Also, that might be a Star Trek character. That wouldn't that wouldn't shock me. <laughs> so, um, I finally I finally jumped back onto my watch through of Next Generation, and I watched episodes forty one through fifty six. Good fucking god! Yeah. Uh, so that covers the end of season two and pretty much the first third of season three. So I'll just go through. I'll I'll tag a couple that I think are are important or notable. Um, the first one being Q Who. So this is the return of the omnipotent entity Q, uh, who basically like he got kicked out of the Q Collective, so now he's hassling Picard saying like hey make me a member of your crew and let me travel the galaxy with you and get you into hijinks and Picard rightfully says fuck off uh cuz you're a dickhead uh so Q flings the enterprise into the far reaches of uh the galaxy uh where they they come face to face with uh, a very peculiar uh spacecraft a spacecraft that is in the shape of a cube and has no like centralized bridge or anything it's uh just this big cube floating in space and if you know anything about star trek you will know that this is the first episode where the borg showed up i was going to ask is it a borg cube yes uh so i didn't think that the borg showed up until like way later in the series, so it shows you the ship, and I was like, fuck. And Vanessa was like, what? And I was like, this is bad. Uh, so basically the uh, the Borg are like cybernetically enhanced humanoids. They will like capture other sentient races and um, like upgrade them with like cybernetic enhancements and uh they're like a, a hive mind mm-hmm. and they they like adapt to things quickly so like one of them beams aboard the enterprise and starts like going through their computer learning everything about them and it's basically just like ignoring everybody because like they don't see the enterprise crew as a threat so it's just kind of doing its thing so then, like, they shoot it, kill it, and then another one shows up and starts doing the same thing. And they go to shoot it, and 
this one has like uh, a personal shield that like nullifies their phasers. Because mm-hmm. that's like the thing about the Borg is like they adapt very quickly. Which like I can't remember what the hell it was called, but like I had a a Star Trek Next Generation first person shooter game for the PC when I was a kid. So like uh, the levels where you had to fight the Borg were really cool because like if you kept using the same weapon for a little bit, like all of the Borg on that level would become immune to that weapon. So you had to switch to a different weapon because they would like alter their shields to nullify like your energy. I don't know. It was a cool mechanic to have in a game in Mm -hmm. like the like early 2000s. Yeah, I don't know. It was uh it was a cool episode. They they end up like getting Q to return them to where they were. But like now now the Borg have been introduced and they're like the Enterprise encountered them like way sooner than what they naturally would have by just like exploring space. So right. now the Borg know that they exist and are on their way to try to assimilate uh the enterprise crew and presumably like the whole universe cuz like that's their their ultimate goal is to make everything borg sounds uh strictly american yeah um let me see there is actually there are a lot of good episodes in here i'm not i'm going to try to not spend like a lot of time going through all of them beat by beat, but uh, uh, there was one that I thought was pretty funny. Um, so Counselor Troy's mother shows up again. Uh, okay, they're they're on their way to like a um a conference, like the Enterprise is transporting delegates to like a a conference among like different worlds that are like part of the Federation or potentially joining the federation uh and one of the delegates that they're transporting is counselor troy's mother uh and they basically say that like betazoid women whenever they reach middle age uh their sex drive quadruples so like troy's mom is just super thirsty and trying to get in picard's pants the whole time oh so she's cougaring yeah, uh, and then, like, Picard spurns her and, like, goes to hide out in the holodeck. So, like, since she can't find him, like, Troy's mom just runs around thirsting on the rest of the Enterprise crew, which is pretty fucking funny. I don't know, I wanted to bring it up, though, because uh, Mick Fleetwood, who was the drummer for Fleetwood Mac, uh, is in this episode for some reason. Huh. What a weird thing. And then the very next episode is called The Emissary. It is about, um, basically there was a, like a Klingon ship from like whenever, like the time of the original Star Trek series, whenever the Federation and the Klingons were at war, um, that like they were like in cryogenic stasis or whatever on this voyage, uh, from like, 75 years prior so they had no idea that the war ended and they're like hey this ship's gonna show up at this time and think the war's still on and like start attacking colonies 
out in this like section of space. So the Enterprise has to go find it. Uh, and to help them do that, they have a new character join. Um, her name is Kalar, and she is a half-human, half-Klingon female. Uh, which they're like, you know, we didn't know Klingons and humans can breed. So now that's a thing. Um, however, her and Worf have a complicated history. Shocking. And, uh, yeah, so Worf has a, a love interest, but, like, they also hate each other because, like, Klingons, and they're always mad, and they, that's, like... Let's be honest, that sounds like me and Ashley. <laughs> like, we're love interests, but we yeah. fucking hate each other. Yeah, like, they have, uh, like, attack sex, like, they do a, a battle simulation in the hollow deck and end up, like, getting down. So it turns out our relationship is entirely based on Star Trek. Got it. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing about this is, like, obviously it's far in the future. It's, like, sort of utopic, but, like, they're very free and open about sexuality. So, like... Huh. Especially on TV. Yeah, especially on TV. Because, like, they, do, they obviously don't show anything, but it's, like... You can tell that, like, a bunch of horny nerds were like, oh, man, I want to bang a Klingon now. But uh, it also, like, in the context of the show, it really makes sense. Because it's just like, well, that's obviously, like, that's where society would go. Like, it's, you know, no one's hurt by it. People are just open and everybody's safe about it and everybody gives consent. So they're just enjoying their lives and just doing their thing. Hmm. But I don't know, like during this stretch of episodes, Worf became by far my favorite character. Like they gave him just a lot to do and kind of fleshed out his character a lot more. So I actually like Worf even like even more than data. Like they shifted the focus away from data and onto Worf. Hmm. Uh, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, because it seems like Data is one of those characters that everyone kind of loves. Like looking looking at the next generation retrospectively, like Worf, I guess kind of gets mentioned, but like Data is more of like the character everyone kind of gravitates towards. I mean, look at Picard, for instance. Like their f whole first season was based on the child uh, or the two children of Data. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm glad that. Like, they're really spending a lot of time with, like, the whole cast and not just, like, focusing all in on Data. Like, Data is... I understand why, like, he was a main focus for the first season, especially because, like, he's the novel thing that you're adding to the show. Like, they even had a... Like, they have one full episode that's just all... It's all about Geordi LaForge. Huh. Uh, and it's great. Does he read to people? No, actually, um, he's part of an away team. Uh, this is... Oh, uh, that was the other the other cool one with Worf. Uh, it's called The Bonding, where, like, there's a, a random crew member who wasn't in any other episodes, and, like, the opening scene shows her being killed on an away mission. Hmm. So, like, so now her her orphan son. Um, there's like an entity from the planet that they were exploring that like comes onto the ship and pretends to be his mother. 
and like get him to go live on the planet with it so that like they can keep the kid from being sad or whatever um so like they're trying to like not have this kid get kidnapped but like it ultimately ends up with like cuz Worf was leading the away team and was like in a way responsible for this kid's mom dying that uh he decides to take the kid under his wing and do like a Klingon bonding ritual with him. Mm -hmm. So like this eight year old kid is like permanently bound to Worf as like a member of his family and clan. So like the episode ends with the kid wearing like fucking Klingon battle robes and doing this like ceremony, like Klingon remembrance ceremony with Worf. So he's like an honorary Klingon. I thought that was kind of badass, but like, like I said, they do a lot with Worf and like he, uh, became a super super cool character um the one about laforge like this will be the last one i talk about kind of in any depth because like i feel like i'm going pretty long with this but uh it's fine uh it's season three episode seven uh titled the enemy i said how many spiders are in this i am of course referencing the jake gyllenhaal film with a uh, denis villeneuve where basically there's a spider motif that i don't fucking understand I have no idea what you're talking about. It's on Netflix right now. You should probably check it out and we can discuss it because I don't know what the fuck I watched. <laughs> so yeah, like, uh, they're exploring a a planet where there's, like, an electrical storm and Jordy like, falls down a hole and, like, gets stuck and everybody else beams away and, like, Jordy isn't able to, to get out. But there was also a Romulan ship that crash-landed there, which, like, is a big no-no because it was in Federation space. Or it I think it was in the neutral zone, basically like the demilitarized zone hmm. uh, between Federation space and Romulan space. But, like, basically the episode is, like, Geordi and a Romulan officer trying to survive on this planet and escape. And they have to work together to do so, even though that like they're mortal enemies and hate each other. So like because of the electrical interference, Jordy's um eyepiece isn't working, and because of his injuries, the Romulan officer can't walk. Oh, I've heard about this one, yeah. The Romulan has to be his eyes, and Jordy has to like help carry the dude. So like they have to work together to survive. It reminded me a lot of, uh, have you ever seen the movie Enemy Mine? It's kind of a cult classic. No. Um, it's about, like, uh, an alien and a human. They're, like, in a space battle. They both get shot down on this planet. But, like, they have to work together to survive, even though they're mortal enemies. Uh, it's It's kind of a cult classic, but uh, this episode reminded me of that, so. Hmm. Um, that's it. I'm like, I'm, I'm really enjoying my, uh, my time with this. I'm glad I circled back around to it. So, uh, I'll, I'll let you know next week if I watch another 37 fucking episodes, cause I'm going through this at a blistering pace now. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. That was a l- I, I, what was that? Like 15 episodes? Uh, yeah. Wait, what did I say? I started with 41. So that's. 16 episodes I watched. And those are like 45 minutes a piece too, right? 
Uh, about, yeah. Jesus. That's that's pretty much all I did on my uh, two days off this week. You chose, so. so let's be clear here. You chose to watch Netflix After Party, and then you watched Star Trek. I, cho- I chose to not turn it off. Okay, that's just as bad. <laughs> I chose to be lazy and keep playing with my phone. But that's, yeah, that's it's it's pretty bad. Yeah, um, that's it. Thank you for joining me for this impromptu third segment. Um, let's go ahead and wrap up the show. All right, well, uh, Caleb, what are we doing next week on the show? Speaking of which. Uh, next week, we're doing the Swillies. Sure are. It's our best of 2020 episode. Uh, it gave us an extra week because... Uh, I I like having extra time in order to catch up on things that I didn't watch and also to rewatch things that I was probably too low on. As of right now, I have like six movies to watch. I know we're kind of missing like the obvious topic of of Cobra Kai, like we're going to do that the week following. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, (laughs) since I went through that at such a, a rapid pace, I do have a lot of thoughts about it, but... I kind of also want to, if possible, squeeze in a full series rewatch before we do our Cobra Kai season three review. I don't think I'll be able to. Oh, God bless you if we'll you see. could. Yeah. Well, we got two weeks. I mean, they're only half hour yeah, episodes. They're like weeks. 13 episodes a piece per season. So yeah, it's and possible. Like I said, I, I, may just, I may just take a few days off here because fuck it. Everybody else has been. That's true. I got to schedule vacation for live stream for the cure five, or I'm sorry, five stream for the cure. Ooh, I like that. That's quite good. It's quite good. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I, I still want to force uh fast and furious logic behind it in order to make it, you know, that, uh, was it fast five? So live stream five or just, you know, five stream. <laughs> Uh, well, as for where you can find the show, you can find us at NetflixAndSwill.com. It's the one-stop shop to find all of our relevant links to our social media, other podcast platforms, if you don't like the one you're currently on, to listen to us on. Uh, and I, you know what? I don't ask enough, but two things. One, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's been a long time since we've had a review on Apple Podcasts, and I'd love to read one out on the show. And uh, if you feel so inclined, feel free to... Uh, Become a patron over at our Patreon at patreon.com slash Netflix and Swill. Uh, I just put out the call to action for our $5 a month patrons to uh, request their movies. And Christiani has requested a Bruce Lee movie. So, of course, we're fucking doing that one. Yay. He included a second one. I have to, I didn't, I'd have to even look to see what it was, but I bar- I passed it over almost immediately when I saw, oh, Bruce Lee. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, we're doing that one. It was, uh, the other one he wanted us to do was E.T. And we've already talked about the failed video game product enough that we don't ever have to talk about the movie. Also, this is probably a pretty hot take, but, like, I really don't care if I ever watch E.T. again in my lifetime. I I agree with that take. Like, I enjoy E.T., but, like, I never have to watch it again. Especially if they point walkie-talkies at the kid. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, man. I wasn't crazy about it when I was a kid, and like it, it's a movie for kids. 
And then, like, you see E.T.'s bloated corpse, and I don't really know what they were going for with that scene. I'm just not really that into it. That's fair. Hi, Anya. Uh, you did not hear Ashley bumble into this episode because my I have an actual office. It isn't a part of a long hallway that leads to a kitchen. Uh, instead, I have an office that she can barely barge into, which is... In some parts, great, but in other parts where, you know, we're talking about Nick, where his favorite parts of the episode are where Ashley barges in on us recording and I call attention to it. So uh, we might have yeah. to get that going at some point. Yeah. Now it's time for everybody's favorite segment, Ashley barges in. <laughs> At- now it's time for everyone's favorite segment, Ashley's trying to make dinner. <laughs> Dan, I made you a lasagna with cottage cheese. Thank God, no. No, I've been making dinner since we got here. Actually, we had, um... Uh, was it Russell Stouffer's? I think it was Ruffle- Russell Stouffer's, like, chicken enchiladas. I was like, yeah, this is fine. And then I made chicken tacos, and those were pretty good. Like, slow cooker chicken tacos we, we, we've been eating for the past few days, but... I mean, she can't... She can't complain about anything. I made her chicken noodle soup from scratch one day. There you go. Vanessa got an instant pot for Christmas, so she made some really good cilantro lime rice the other day. I have to come to your house now, because I I need to see how it compares to Chipotle cilantro lime rice. Uh, I thought it was very good. I I made uh, enchiladas to go with that, so. And I'm probably going to go eat some of that in about five minutes. That's fair. Boy, fuck you, John, you f- fucking stupid idiot. Hey, hey, go easy on me, Gazorpazorpfield. <laughs> fuck you, I'm Gazorpazorpfield, you white, uh, guilt. <laughs> white guilt, milk toast piece of human garbage. Uh, thank you to Spaceweather for the use of our theme song, Bitter, uh, which was the bitter goodbye of. The spacemen flying away and George Clooney fucking dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, until next week, this is Caleb saying we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye.